Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. Welcome, everybody, to this week's edition of the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great estate plans. Uh, my name is Tim Seckler. If you haven't tuned into the show before, uh, what we do on this show each and every week is give you the information you need to make great decisions for your, yourself, your family, your finances. Um, you know, we, we're in the estate planning business, so we deal with a lot of different things and, and plan for a lot of different circumstances, like what happens if I pass away? What happens if I become incapacitated? What happens if I would become disabled? And so uh, we are, uh, at the Seckler Law Firm, we are an education-first uh, law firm, which is why I like to do this radio show, because I, I've always been of the opinion that if we provide a whole bunch of education to people, they're going to end up making decisions in their family's best interest. And um, after all, I kind of think that's what I'm on this planet to do is help people make great decisions. And so uh, this radio show is one of our vehicles for that. And from time to time on the radio show, if you've been listening for a while, you know that we bring on a guest uh, who I suspect is going to have some interesting things to say. And today I am joined uh, by Ben Rovey of Strategic Financial Design. Ben is here to chat about um, some things that you probably need to know. I asked him specifically as we were chatting and preparing for uh, the show, uh, we haven't done a lot of work on the radio show on life insurance in particular. Now, Ben Ben knows a lot about life insurance. It's not the only thing that Ben does, but I asked him to sort of prepare those comments um, so that we we could provide some good information because I see a lot of people making mistakes. And so, Ben, um, so you are the primary uh, principal at Strategic Financial Designs. I am. Uh, married to a lovely bride named Liz, um, who uh, who is is really the brains of the operation. I think without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, and um, why don't why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners and and tell us a little bit about the company? Okay, perfect. Again, my name is Ben Rovi. I've been in the financial you know, services industry since 1995. Uh, prior to that, I uh, had a different life coaching. At the college level, at the University of Pittsburgh for seven years. Never heard of him. Who, who's that? Uh, you know that that team oh, that, oh. that, that didn't win their game yesterday. Uh, Longtime listeners know I'm a West Virginia fan. So yeah, anyway. well, it, it happens. It happens. Yeah. But I'm actually from New Jersey. Okay. Came to the University of Pittsburgh in 1983. Fell in love with the city and never left. So I am a Pittsburgher, and um, yeah, I, I coached at Pitt for a number of years of varsity sport. Not one of the, you know. Big ones that you see on TV. What did you coach? Women's gymnastics, of all things. No kidding. Yeah, I was a gymnast at Pitt, and I, I know when you look at me, you're, it's hard to believe that this was once a finely tuned athlete. But uh, you're like the most interesting man on the, in, on the, in the world, or whatever that yeah, guy is. At least is. for like, the moment, I am. Who knew? So you know, after coaching for seven years, I realized, hey, you know, there's really no future in you know providing for myself in this in that business at that point, and so I went back. Got my MBA in finance, and I entered this industry. Uh, I, I found the world of financial planning to be fascinating, and I, I joined the industry in 1995. Uh, we have a unique process that we adopted at our firm uh, called Lifetime Economic Acceleration Process. Okay. Where really, you know, if you if you ask people, you know, when they talk to a financial advisor, you know, the, the idea there is, what product are you going to be sold? Mm-hmm. Okay, and we tell clients all the time, listen, there are no magical financial products out there because if there were, we'd already be in them and I would be doing something different for a living. So our approach to planning 
is really more strategic in nature. It's like playing the game of chess. You could have all the pieces to play chess, but if you don't have the chess board, mm-hmm. it would be difficult to play chess. So mm-hmm. we actually have an economic model that we use, which I like to refer to as our financial game board. And it allows our clients to organize all their pieces. And then all that's involved is strategy. So we figure out different strategies to help our clients build and keep their wealth. And then we figure out which financial products after that, if any, best support those underlying strategies. And, you know, I I think that um – I bet that there's a significant percentage of the population that you meet that really haven't even thought through what their financial goals are. They may have a goal. They may want to own the one thing. Yeah. But have they really thought about – have they really thought in depth about what they want their retirement to be and how much it's going to cost and how much we need to yeah, save? Yeah, I mean that's, that's interesting that you bring up. It, it's this whole notion of financial success, right? Everyone has a different definition. One person that might be just being able to retire and have X amount of income, another person that might be having that beach house, mm-hmm. another person, again, depending on the phase of life there it is, leaving money to their children instead of the government. And I love that part the best. Um, you know, so, but it all really boils down to one thing. The, the common denominator when we look at what people's goals are is to be financially successful. And I kind of encapsulate that as to be able to do the things that you want to do when you want to do them without ever having the fear of running out of money and then making sure that we keep Uncle Sam out of your pocket along the way and after you leave the planet. Works for me. It's a pretty good definition of a successful retirement. I'm I'm going to add long-term care expenses to the government out of your pocket piece, but it's it's kind of one and the same. Um, Absolutely. All right, cool. Very good. Very good. Um, Now, Ben, why don't you you give folks who are listening uh, an opportunity? Where would they find out more about your your company? You're more than happy to go to, it's a long one to type in, www.strategicfinancialdesigns.com. Long to type in, easy to remember. It is easy to remember. That's how I remember it. So, uh, Strategicfinancialdesigns.com. Correct. All right. And if you have, at the end of the program today. If you have any individualized questions, you're more than ha- uh, welcome to email us at team at sfd, the number 21.com. Okay. So. Awesome. And we'll, we'll give you that information if you uh, keep listening, folks. We'll go through it again. Uh, if you want to learn more about uh, estate planning, the, the things that we do, check out secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R lawfirm.com, or give us a buzz at 724 546 Four two two seven. You know the the phrase "give me a buzz." It just reminds me of a thing the other day because it's you know the, the saying used to be "give me a ring." Now it's "give me a buzz" me a or buzz. whatever. My kid the other day was asking me. Um, he said, "Dad, why uh, why do you call it hanging up the phone?" Which just like and when I thought about it, of, of course he's never experienced hanging up a phone on, on the kitchen wall, right? right. So or a uh, rotary dial. Oh well, <laughs> yeah, forget about that. But yeah, all right. So uh, give us a ring, give us a buzz, whatever you want to call it. Seven two four five four six four two two seven. Now, uh, in preparation for the show, I know you got some things uh, together on life insurance. Mm-hmm. Now, my experience doing estate planning is is most people. Well, most people don't have a will. Most people don't take this stuff very seriously at all. Mm-hmm. Um, most people that we do work with, especially young families, yes. I find are entirely underinsured when it comes to mm-hmm. life insurance. You know, mm-hmm. I had a fellow that walked in the office not too long ago, and, and a smart guy. Uh, uh, um, he he's he was a single dad, um, and makes great money, mm-hmm. and has two minor children. And I said, um, "Tell me about your life insurance situation." He's like, "Oh, I think there's a policy at work." And I'm like, "Wait a second." You have two minor children. 
who rely on you for financial support day in, day out, month in, month out for the next 15 years, and you're telling me that you have done nothing to plan for your absence, mm-hmm. right? Um, he had no term insurance. He had no whole life insurance. And I, I'm like, you know, sir, I don't even want you to leave my office until we put in <laughs> a request for policy. So, um, so I think one of the things is people just don't understand it. So why don't I, why don't we help them understand it? A yeah, little bit? I agree with you. That's, you know, the the story you just told is not uncommon. I, I can't remember the exact statistic that the life insurance industry did, but I want to say. It's close to 70% of the population in the United States are underinsured right. or have no insurance at all, or they've never been approached by an insurance professional yep. or whatnot. But it is a very misunderstood product. And really, when it comes to life insurance, there's two main issues. It's how much should you have? Mm-hmm. And the other is what type should you have? Okay. And we're going to handle both those questions today? We will, we will do the easy one first, which is how much should you have? Okay. And... Uh, you know, the one thing to understand is you can never be overinsured. The insurance companies will not let that happen. I want you to imagine your house and you go insure your $300,000 home and you tell your agent, hey, I want to insure my house for $40 million. Right. It'll never happen because that's not the replacement value. Yep. It's the same thing with life insurance. The most a person can have is based on a multiple of their income and their age. Yep. So let's just keep my math easy. Let's take a 40-year-old uh, who makes $100,000 a year. Mm-hmm. All right. They could qualify the maximum at that age basically for 20 times their income. 20 times income. So $2 million, which sounds like a ton of money. Yeah. However, it's not the number you have to wonder about. It's really what will the number do for you? So if someone dies, and we've had clients die, you've had clients die, you know, we generally say, let's take whatever death benefits you have in place, let's put them somewhere. And the idea is, while a person's working, to replace the lost income. Right. So if you took $2 million and you put it in a 5% account, guess what it generates? $100,000 a year of income. So it's replacing the income. Yeah. I would love to have $40 million of life insurance. But they would never give it to me, and I might have to sleep with one eye open if I left the toothpaste lid off. Oh, come on. No, no, no. She's better than that. that. But but that's just it. I hear people say, I don't want to be overinsured. You can't be overinsured. I I hate rules of thumb uh, as as a concept generally, but I heard one that I think has some practical use, and it is take your salary. Mm -hmm. Like if you're trying to do income replacement with Mm -hmm. this. Like for me, I've got little kids. I make X a year. And if I pass away, presumably to maintain the same standard of living from a financial standpoint, they still need that X a year. Otherwise, then my children's standard of living goes down, which I'm really not interested in my children's standard of living going down. And so then a rule that was taught to me is you take your your annual compensation and divide it by .04. Okay. That's basically what it's we just It's a 4% said. Yeah. rule. Yeah. But if I think this is an interesting thing for the listeners. So if you take your – and I'm not in the insurance business. Ben's in the insurance business. But if you take your annual salary and you divide it by .04, it's going to give you a number. So, for example, if a person made $50,000 a year, you divide that by .04, you come up with $1.25 million. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, so why .04? Because the idea is income replacement. Mm-hmm. We don't want to buy life insurance – and live off the principle of the life insurance. I want the million dollars sitting there and then because I can invest it pretty much anywhere, not anywhere, but in most times you can get 4% in a a conservative product. You can get 4% interest. And so then you got a million dollars, you get 4% interest on it. That's $40,000 a year if we just replace the income, right? 
the rippling effect, though, let's say you have a surviving spouse, is if you've been working, right, and participating in retirement plans, you might want more than that one and a quarter million. Right. Because all of a sudden, there's no more 401k contribution. There's no more company match going in. So the income replacement is certainly important, but it's also taking a look at that future. And we have a simulator where we could plug someone in, play out their financial life to say, if you're alive and kicking, right. where do you end up at retirement? And in theory, not only do I want my wife and my children's standard of living to not go backward, I anticipate it going forward. Exactly. And improving because I'm going to continue to work hard for a couple you're more decades. You're going to get raises, right. you know, and everything like that. So moral of the story, people are generally underinsured. Yep. And uh, we've got some great tools that could at least give that analysis on an unbiased basis to and that, say, if this happens, this is a likely outcome. That's why I said I hate rules of thumb because they're, right. they're overly simplistic, and that's why you've got yeah, the tools. And everyone is different and unique. So what might be the right answer for one person may not be for another person. Right. So. And, and so, all right, so the, the answer is you're probably underinsured because mo- <laughs> most people are underinsured. Correct. So you're probably underinsured. So then – all right, let's say that there's some listener out there, we've got their attention, they're like, oh my goodness, I'm underinsured, my kids are going to lose their, their uh, tuition. What, uh, then, then where, how do you go about deciding which type of life insurance? Yeah, so that's interesting. So again, I think when you're in your working years, for sure, the number, the amount of coverage that you have is the most important because you have to ensure that what if, mm-hmm. you know, that could happen. Depending on resources available, you know, could determine the type. So there, there are a few different types out there. You've got term insurance, which is the most common, right. you know, form. People are familiar with that. Basically, the way term insurance works is you put your money in with an insurance company. They give you this death benefit. You assign a beneficiary. And it starts off very cheap as far as the premium amount. Right. But each year or period of years, it goes up in price. It's totally tied to your age. So you could either have a yearly renewable where right. it goes up every year, maybe a 20-year term where it stays the same price, but then really jumps up. So you could get a million dollars of coverage perhaps at 40 for maybe $800 a year. Mm-hmm. I'm just making up numbers, but I'm close. At 65, when you t- retire, that same amount of coverage to renew that premium may be more like $8,000 a year. Right. And you get nothing back for it. Right. Now, interesting about term, and I'm not saying don't own term insurance. You should own term insurance. But it is one of the more profitable products for the insurance company. Well, they know. Yeah, yeah of course. Statistically, less than 3% of the population is going to die prior to age 65, knock on wood. That right. doesn't mean don't protect the risk. Right. But at the end of the day, people send in all these dollars – And then what happens, it becomes prohibitively expensive to keep at retirement. And there could be other uses for the death benefit at retirement. Right. And they lose their coverage. Okay. And they don't get any of their money back. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So so term life insurance term life insurance makes some sense. It's a component of most portfolios. But um Let's say I want to I want to own a policy that that is worth something later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then then where do we go? So a couple of other policies were developed in the early eighties, late seventies, early eighties. Something called universal life. Uh, the interest rates in the marketplace were much higher even than they are today, despite where interest rates are going. <clears throat> you could get a bank account at a savings rate of sixteen percent, although your mortgage would be about seventeen percent. Right, right, right. But the insurance companies wanted a product that could compete with the bank, so they invented this product called Universal Life. Basically, it's term insurance, but you had a bank account that back in those days they said you could earn 12% on your money. 
and have this death benefit. Mm-hmm. But you could put in the same amount of money every year, but the internal costs of the universal life go up every year. Okay. Interest rates fell in the mid-'80s and in the early-'90s. People who bought these under high interest rate assumptions started getting notices that, hey, your coverage is going to expire unless you pay the corresponding term premium because the insurance company reserves the right to remove the cash that's accruing for you in that policy to pay for for the the premium. Exactly. And so then the cash that it accumulated gets eaten up by the cost of the contract. And it lapses out if you don't pay the core. And it's sad. But that's the way it is. Okay. You know, and uh, there's some other variations when the market started doing well in the mid-'80s in the first big bull run that we saw. Um, you know, same thing, except instead of a savings account earning some rate of return, you could invest in mutual funds inside your life insurance. Mm-hmm. Probably more expensive to get it inside the life insurance than going directly to the fund carrier itself. But, again, same problems, increasing internal costs that – will erode over time. Okay. And, Got uh, it. Yeah. The last type, and there's a couple more variations of that, but the last type has been around forever, whole life insurance. Uh, I'm an advocate for that. Uh, just because there's one word that we can use with whole life insurance that we can't use with the others. It's called guarantee. <laughs> and I like things that are guaranteed and predictable. Got it. Right? So whole life contracts today, it varies a little bit from company to company. You know, you, you put your money in, you get this death benefit. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you assign who the death benefit goes to. There's also a cash value, okay, that has a guaranteed uh, minimum rate of return, contractually guaranteed of three percent. Okay. Okay. So if the insurance company gives you nothing back as far as uh, interest goes, you're still going to earn three percent of your money in there, and that's dollars that you can use for yourself. Now, a good carrier, a mutually owned company, will return what are called dividends back mm-hmm. to policyholders each and every year. Uh, the dividends are not like the dividend in a stock or a mutual fund. They're made up of different pieces. The first piece, mortality right. costs. So the actuaries at the insurance company sit around and predict how many people are going to die every year. Actuaries tend to be a little glass half empty, so they generally over-predict. So when not as many death claims are paid out in a given year, the insurance company has money left over. That comes back as one piece of the dividend. The other pieces are company expenses. And then, of course, they're investing everyone's premiums. Right. But because of the guarantees that they have to you know, support in those policies, they're not rolling the dice in the market. They're investing in bonds, mortgages, short-term notes, things of a more predictable nature. Um, so over time, that cash value bucket could – likely earn somewhere between 4 and 5%. Now, the interesting thing about that bucket, and remember, that's money that you can use while you're alive, is totally income tax-free. You get no 1099 while the money's growing, and I should say, depending on how it's structured, mm-hmm. no 1099 while it's growing. And when you use the money, it could be used income tax-free as well. Right. So, so a, a way to it's kind of like a retirement account lookalike, right? It, it, it looks very much like a Roth IRA. Like a Roth IRA. Now, a lot of the folks that we work with, unfortunately, can't do a Roth IRA because they make too much money. Right. And the government always says if something's too good, you know, let's not let them do it. Right. Okay? So, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so th- now we're going to get into, in, in, in the remaining time that we have left, um, because w- when we were talking about term insurance, term insurance, it seems to me, and I, overgeneralizations are what they are, and this mm-hmm. is one, but – it seems to me term insurance, younger younger folks need replacement in case I pass away young. My kids need the cash. Mm-hmm. But what I'm seeing is as folks uh, advance in age and advance in their net worth, 
that they start buying life insurance for different reasons. It's not exactly. necessarily about income replacement. It's about tax strategy exactly. and, and maximization. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll share a personal story about this. You know, my parents passed away in 2014 and 2015. And they had a sizable farm in New Jersey, decent-sized pension plans, IRAs, and so forth. And, of course, your parents never listen to what you say because you're always the kid, right? Mm-hmm. And we urged them to do some estate planning, which they did some – estate planning that was pretty shoddy. Had I known you back then, we would have had you do it, and it would have been done the right way. But at the end of the day, when they passed away, you know, even though they did not have a federal estate tax issue because they raised the limit so high, uh, at least in the state of New Jersey, they had a pretty significant estate tax due. Mm -hmm. And had they lived in Pennsylvania, it would have been a little bit less, but it still would have been a sizable uh, inheritance tax in PA. And, you know, this is what what you see. I don't think my brother or I intended on ever keeping the farm, but it almost forced the liquidation of the farm to help pay the taxes. And I'm sure you see Oh, we see it all the time. A, a lot with people. If someone doesn't have their estate plan taken care of, guess what? You can lose it all yeah. to the government. And right. the other place you can lose it to, you alluded to, is uh, long-term care. Now you got my ears. Uh, you got I, you I got figured, me interested. Like this that. is where I want to go. We got about we got four or five minutes left, and what I want to do is is talk about the trend of using life insurance to plan for long term care. Yeah, exactly. So you know you, you you arrive at retirement. You're in your retirement years. You've got X amount of assets, and you have no life insurance unless they meet you to do some asset protection planning. Right. If they need care, the state of Pennsylvania is pretty much going to take it all. The nursing homes, I mean. Whereas if we retire and we have some type of permanent death benefit in conjunction with their assets, a lot of the policies these days uh, have a long-term care benefit with them, which says that if you, like anything else, need assistance with two of the six activities of daily living, you can actually access your death benefit without having to die to pay for those things. Right. And it could be skilled care, unskilled care, facility care, at-home care. You don't even have to spend it on care if you don't want to. Um, but it, it presents clients with an option. I could either use assets, underperforming assets to pay for care, or I could use my death benefit to pay for care. I think the answer is different for everybody. But at the end of the day, having that as a option is certainly, you know, choices are better. Well, uh, choices, right? Here's what I love about it is one choices, right? Because yeah. I talk on this show an awful lot about protecting assets and mm-hmm. how we can gain eligibility for the government to pay for your care rather than you paying for your care. And, you know, if you're interested in that, it, there's a bajillion episodes we've done on it. But, you know, usually what that means is nursing home admission, right? And what I love about using the the life insurance with the long-term care riders, because most people want to stay in their home as long as possible. And, mm-hmm. and staying in your home as long as possible, if you've got if you've got a disability, if you've got long-term care needs, mm-hmm. staying at home as long as possible is going to take some cash because right. we, we need people to come into the house and take care of us. And so life insurance with long-term care riders seems to me to mm-hmm. be um, one of the best ways to finance that. Hey, why, not, why not use the life insurance to pay for care while we protect the other assets for right. that five-year clock? That's right. Right. You know, so but there's a variety of reasons why to have life insurance. In yeah, and, we, and unfortunately, we can't get uh, right. one of them that we'll have to have you back is is tax planning because <laughs> 2026 is is, is going to be here before we know it. Yep, and tax laws are changing. If they don't change it, and, and it's going to depend on some elections between now and then. But if they don't change it, 
then the federal estate tax is going to is going to come back to a lot of folks and that that's going to create a planning opportunity between now and then to move some money into trust yeah. and, and, and use and, life insurance and actually with the secure act the government's already put in a estate tax oh, for yeah. everybody except yeah. they call it income tax yeah, the forced liquidation of IRAs you yeah. know it's uh, they they get you coming and going quite literally yeah without a doubt the uh and and you know we we've talked about the secure act on the show a bunch of times and and how it's it's the middle class's death tax but um you know right now so there there will be in the interest of time because we're running out there is going to be an opportunity for for folks um to do some tax planning between now and 2026 oh, yeah. uh with with some changing in tax laws and you know we can teach more about that um i want to i want to just say briefly uh i want to give you the opportunity um give them the website again give them a phone yeah. number and and uh let them know how they could work with you yeah if anyone is interested in reviewing we talked about life insurance today reviewing your life insurance policies to make sure they're appropriate and that you're getting the best value for your insurance dollar, or if you want to talk about anything else financial, uh, feel free to email us at team, T-E-A-M, at S-F-D, the number 21.com. And our website, again, is strategicfinancialdesigns.com. And uh, we'll be happy to sit down with you. There's no charge for meeting with us and see if we can help educate you and you know, take you down the path to financial success that you want to be. Great. Ben, thanks for joining me this hey, week. Thank you, Tim. All right, folks. I hope you found this informational. I hope you found it educational. Uh, please do not construe it as legal advice. You don't get legal advice on a radio show. Give us a call if you need us, 724-546-4227, or check us out anytime at secularlawfirm.com. Uh, we've got our upcoming estate planning workshops where you can learn about this and some other things. So I look forward to meeting you. I hope you have a great day. Um, uh, be smart and have some fun. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.